Um, quick scripture reading today, and really that Frederick Douglass could, you know, uh, speech could, reading could, talk, could stand for it, but I was going to read this one uh, on the 4th of July from, uh, it's from 1 Timothy. Forgive me for using 1 Timothy, but <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one that comes out of 1 Timothy. Um, I've always, I always like these words around the 4th of July. So it reminds me of some other words that were placed on parchment long ago. First of all, then I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone and for all who are in high positions so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. Hmm. I'll read it again. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone and for all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. I like that word, dignity. It's important in these times. So I just want to take a moment, and I really need that, but take a moment and wish you a happy and fourth and happy and safe fourth of july tomorrow holiday tomorrow and tuesday. into tuesday well tomorrow and into it's a long weekend right i mean come on <laughs> to be honest this is a four-day weekend is anybody working tomorrow or in reality yeah everybody's off yeah well maybe one or a couple of people yeah well well we're going to celebrate as a long weekend anyways and i want to wish you just a blessed and safe however you're celebrating it holiday and i hope the, i hope the grills are hot whatever you're doing tuesday Hope the hot dogs or maybe the barbecue ribs are tasty and the fireworks are grand if you're into celebrating the day in that festive way. And I just ask one thing for next week that you please come back to church with all of your fingers. <laughs> if you're planning on doing any fireworks, um, please come back with all of your digits. That would be fantastic. <laughs> That's all I ask. Other than that, have fun. Have a great 4th of July. Uh, personally, I... I love the 4th of July. I'm never here on the, you know that? I don't know the last time I've been here, COVID, I was here on the 4th of July. I'm never here on the 4th of July to celebrate with you. This is a, a rare treat, but I, but I do love the day. Um, for what it signifies more than fireworks, hot dogs, barbecue, ribs, and car sales, and furniture sales. Um, for truly, it's a day that more than any other invites us to reflect not only on where we have come from as a nation through remembering our struggle for independence, but perhaps even more importantly is a day to accept the invitation to continue to dream a future that is still unfolding, a future of freedom and opportunity and justice and human rights and equality for every person, for every race, every religion, every creed, every culture, every gender and sexual orientation. The 4th of July reminds us of the freedoms that we do enjoy as a nation, freedoms that, let's be honest, many other nations do not, and also the freedoms that we should be able to enjoy as human beings, freedoms in terms of the recognition of our God-given and inalienable right to be who God created us to be without fear of harassment or oppression or reprisal, or in this day and age, denial. So the 4th of July is a, 
It's just a day to revel in that, and we should celebrate this holiday to the fullest. Now, having said that, I know every year there's a debate raging. It's nothing new. It's, it's that the 4th of July, or really many of our secular holidays, well, they should have no place in a worship service. You know? Don't even mention them in some cases. But in this case, with the 4th of July especially, it's really deeper. For as the old saying goes, especially for liberal Christians, you're a Christian first and an American second. And as usual, the debate has its origins generally, where? On the extremes of the spectrums, right? On the right, which one's my right? This is my right? (laughs) On the right hand of the spectrum, the right side of the spectrum, there are Today, this very day, there'll be large flag-waving processional worship services with God bless America belted out by giant choirs all wearing red, white, and blue. The whole service will be bathed in flags in red, white, and blue. And some now are even concluding their services with their own fireworks displays right after worship. Ours will start at 1130. So that's the right end of the spectrum, right? The left end of the spectrum, well, the mere mention of bringing the celebration, even mentioning the word, the phrase 4th of July uh, and it's this day of independence, even bringing it into a worship setting is a serious betrayal of what it means to be Christian and especially, well, maybe not these days, but, but especially, truly, of the Jesus way and of a progressive Christian way. Personally, with so many things, I never find the extremes, you know? Extreme ways of approaching this holiday and our worship, all that helpful. Extreme right, extreme left, so many other things too. And yet, and I'll just make an admission, as you all know, <laughs> I stand as the great Brazilian bishop and tireless worker for the poor Dom Helder Camara once said, and this will shock no one, I stand as one whose heart is a little to the left. He said, he said, right hand, left hand, they all belong to the same body, but the heart is a little to the left. That's my admission before going any further. I'm now on record. You're all shocked, I know. <laughs> what? No idea. And I have to admit, the warnings um, against marrying the church and patriotism and the cross really have a lot of merit. I mean, let's face it. Uh, The gospel of Jesus, the Jesus way, was not on friendly terms with empire as Christianity emerged early on. It was, in fact, really a running critique against empire as Jesus and the gospel writers would have known it until it became empire, you know, later on. But that's not how it started. And the gospels, they they make a very specific argument that there cannot be two lords. There can't be two lords, Jesus and empire. One is Lord, and the other, well, is not. And in the case of Christianity, the Lord title is certainly not to be equated with a nation, an empire, but rather with the one who is for us the ultimate critic of all nations and all empires, Jesus and his way in the world. Let's be honest. It's it's hard to deny that we, (laughs) these United States of America, I mean, we do fall in the category of empire, right? And we have run counter gospel so many times in our history. We have a history that 
that ask Frederick Douglass. You know, we have a history that cannot be denied, nor should it ever, no matter how hard certain political groups in this, in this state especially would like to just make it all go away. Don't teach it. Don't mention it. Ban it. Just put it all away. It never happened. We're all good. Think about that. Everything from, from conquering native peoples, you know, decimating their populations, to enslaving black human beings by the millions and then denying them their basic rights to equality, or supporting dictators and markets and ideologies that have crushed the poorest in our global population, or being complicit in the reality of corporate greed over and against our natural, beautiful world. We could go on and on. Empire. If we're honest with ourselves, well, this is part of our history, as Frederick Douglass reminded us so powerfully in that clip that we played, and we cannot flee from it no matter how hard we want to, how hard we want to hide it, how hard we want to try. We are an empire with all the fixings, <laughs> not just in the past, but still right today, and the way we still treat African Americans, you know? And the, the myth of equity, and thinking especially, again, of that affirmative action Supreme Court ruling just a couple days ago, or our LGBTQ plus friends and loved ones also with another really hurtful court decision, discriminatory court decision last week, or how about one year ago thinking of women, you know, with the gutting of, of Roe, established precedence over women's rights, and oh my God, not to mention that we're a nation right now obsessed with, again, banning books. Where'd this come from out of nowhere? We're boycotting beer companies, for God's sakes, that support trans folks, We're regulating genders and pronouns, <laughs> and attacking businesses for expressing themselves the way they see fit, I guess. You know, thinking of Disney on that one, who, you know, you may or may not be a big fan of anyways, but corporate greed. <laughs> sure seems that when it comes to these United States of America, there's a lot to be critical of days, of these days for many of us. But on the other hand, all right, to only focus on the shameful and regrettable ways our nation has acted and continues to act in some cases still today in the world as though there's no good, you know, within our vision, in our history, and in the promise of what we stand for, well, that's not all that helpful either. You know, the great pastor of Riverside Church in New York, William Sloan Coffin, he once wrote, there are three kinds of patriots. Um, too bad, one good. <laughs> there are three kinds of patriots. Too bad, one good. The bad ones are the uncritical lovers and the loveless critics. But the good patriots carry on a lover's quarrel with their country. Are three kinds of patriots, two bad, one good. The bad ones are the uncritical lovers and the loveless critics, right and left, right? Streams, rights and lefts. But good patriots carry on a lover's quarrel with their country. That's where we need to reside, you know, always. In the midst of that lover's quarrel with this great nation, we've made, we've made mistakes. Yeah, we're continuing to make them, but we should also recognize that we have and have had and have still so much to offer the world in the perspective of people who know and love and fought for and continue to fight for and sacrifice for the greatest of all things, freedom. It's still real. It's still alive. Don't lose that 
that sense. In fact, for those who might feel uncomfortable about this holiday even being mentioned in the midst of worship, I'll argue, really, that we bring the founding truth of what we celebrate on the 4th of July into our worship service really almost every single week, to be honest. I mean, First Timothy sums it up with a vision of, of hope that all people may live quiet, peaceable lives with dignity. You know, those words remind me of that, a similar phrase once written, once drafted on parchment around July 4th, 1776, um, that we've never really lived up to, but there's still hope. It's those words we believe that all men, all people, all people are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Quiet, peaceable lives filled with dignity, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Very similar expressions, very similar hopes, and freedom lies at the heart of them both. Now, don't get me wrong, Mike. <laughs> I'm in no way equating the gospel of the Jesus way with patriotism in this nation or in any nation for that matter. There's those who stand in the line of Christianity, we belong first and foremost to a prophetic vocation that transcends all national boundaries. And we should have the responsibility to lift up the values of the realm of God over and above the realm of empire and call all nations to honor their best values in light of those principles. And, and besides, you know, we're told, what are we told? God so loved the world, right? You know, God so loved the world, not parts of the world, but the world, and that includes us as well as it includes other nations and peoples that we share this world with. That is first and foremost. I'm also not saying surely that all intentions were pure in drafting the Declaration of Independence, as it was undoubtedly wedded to a particular historical context, ripe with the injustice of discrimination in terms of race, especially, and gender. You know, this we know, and we should be honest about that, as Frederick Douglass encourages us to be. But the words drafted on parchment, you know, some 200 and however many, I'm not going to try to do the math, <laughs> over 200 years ago. Well, there's no, <laughs> those of you that are here last week, you get this. There's no denying that those words espouse a vision of the world that is somewhat close to that radical vision of freedom espoused by the Gospels, even if we do fall short. And we do. We often forget or at times ignore just how radical of a document, you know, the Declaration of Independence was and those words of freedom and equality. We forget how important they were in their time, regardless of how they have or have not been lived out. 247. Thank you. There's <laughs> <laughs> my conscience and my mathematician. So this week, my friends, you know, on the 4th of July, tomorrow into Tuesday, it's a great day to remember the fact, that fact, of what this nation stands for, what the Gospels stand for and where they align. And it's a great time to be neither a loveless critic or to be an uncritical lover, but to always be in the midst of that lover's quarrel with the country we love and that we just want to see 
get even better. You know? So let us heed that radical idea and strive for the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness for all people in our world. Let us heed the radical idea in the Gospels and envision all people living in a peaceable life chock full of, of human dignity. Let us continue to fight for the freedoms of those here in our nation and around the world to, to live with equity and equality and the fullness of human rights and the chance to live in peace. And finally, let us never get up, give up hope that we can be a better people, that we can be a better nation, that togetherness is not just some utopian ideal, but rather a true reality that we can strive for. That's what this day means to me. As Abraham Lincoln once said, in a time when the nation was pretty divided, and issues were pulling us apart, and civil war was roaring, when really things seemed about as bleak as they can get in the future, he said, quote, I am loath to close. We are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic cords of memories stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave to every living heart and hearthstone all over this broad land will yet swell the chorus of the Union when again touched, as surely they will be, by the better angels of our nature. End quote. The great Abraham Lincoln. So I say to you on this 4th of July weekend, um, may our better angels shine forth in powerful ways into our own unfolding future. But let us never, ever give up the fight for the equity, equality, and the freedom for all people. I wish you a blessed and, again, a safe digits 4th of July holiday, my friends. Amen to you. Have a great have a great time. Celebrate fully, but never give up hope and never give up the fight. Amen. Amen. And a woman.